Hi, everyone. I'm Laurel Simmons, and welcome to another episode of the Right Club podcast. Today, I'm joined by Catherine Nelson-Riley, and this is a continuation of our interview with Ronald Dakota of Pathway Properties. If you haven't listened to part one, we strongly urge you to do that because there's a lot of great information for real estate investors when you're looking at getting building permits and you are considering making secondary suite conversions or third, tertiary, or what, what's, Catherine, what's the word for fourth? I don't know. Fourth suite <laughs> in, your, in, your, uh, in your residential unit. So I think we should go right to the interview, don't you? Absolutely. Let's hear what Ronald has continuing to tell us. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. So long-winded as usual, but what I would say is, we need to really have, we need to have, the city needs to revisit the internal process in order, if we are going to ever see timelines compressed for building permit issuance. That's what it boils down to. And, you know, building on that then, or pun intended, I guess, the, with all the new regulations, policy changes at the provincial yeah. government level, right? Yeah, because that, that have trickled down to the municipalities, because yeah. we know that zoning the zoning requirements have changed. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure from everywhere to increase housing, the density of housing. Yeah. So I imagine when you put all that together, along with staffing requirements in the municipalities, people who want to get things done, there's a still, as far as I know, a lack of labor in the construction field. Yeah. Uh, so you've got a lot of factors in there that are going to make it I would say somewhat difficult to get things done on time on a schedule. I mean, you can, you can make any schedule you want, right? But you, there's so many variables here. Wow. So can you talk a little bit about how the zoning um, changes and the policy changes have affected what, what people want to do? Yes, yes, that is great. And I will say zoning policy changes, policy changing, which is housing policy changes, throughout Ontario has evolved significantly since 1994, in fact, 1990, right? And it has now those changes are being compressed like into shorter time spans. Before it was 10 years until they saw another iteration from 1990 to, you know, 2000, then 2000, 2012, then 2012 to 2018, 2018. And so it's it becoming more and more compressed. And obviously the last iteration of that was 2018 to 2023. Well, really 2022 then 2023. So it has come down to the point where housing policy is actually experiencing changes on almost an annual basis. And the zoning bylaws need to also reflect those changes. And I'm not a politician, nor do I have any ambitions of such, you know, but I will say that it's a hard job these guys have to do. Right? It's a hard job like trying to navigate all those things. And by no means way am I trying to diminish the, um, the work involved in running a city building department, right? I don't know because I've never been there myself. So with that said, when I say I haven't been there, I have not been in the, a chief building official to know what it means to run a building department or housing division or whatever that might be. So with that said, 
I, I will say this, and this kind of uh, this kind of pivots on, on that same conversation. If the provincial government needs to change, and municipal um, policies need to change, it also goes without saying investors need to also change and massage or modify their expectations when it comes to these things. Because along with the changes on the provincial municipal level, you're like it trickles all the way down. And with the more work, it means things, times are changing, timelines are changing. So whereas in 2019, you could have expect like to get your permits in six weeks, like that would have been worst case. Today, you have to expect that to be easily about eight weeks, even 10 weeks in some cases, right? Just because of the workload. So I know, and that's not the question you asked, but I just want to mention that. With regards to the to housing policy changes, Laurel, I'll tell you, this is really a time for real estate investors to really listen in and hear what's happening on that level because it absolutely impacts everything, right? I mean, and not just, house, not just housing policy, but immigration policy, monetary policy. These things really, like, I would never think that in, in the work that I do, I would spend so much time looking at government-related stuff. And if I were to be honest, I'll, I, I, in a real kind of nerdy sort of side of me is that I like to just log into like city council meetings in various cities and just listen to what they're talking about. Sometimes they have interesting projects, but sometimes they have some interesting policies that they're pushing through, right? It's like, wow, this is like, but this is the stuff that's driving everything, right? So in 2022, that would have been the... They, they basically come out with this mobile homes built faster, right? They just, I would say they came out, like, let me just kind of rephrase that. They started some studies that were, that was geared towards determining what, how we can build more homes and build them faster. And that special task force that it put together was, I mean, really great politicians, but also a really high level experts that understand how this stuff works. And they came up with a bunch of recommendations, 50, I think, to be exact. And then leading from that, our pre-made then put together, uh, along with cities and so forth, they all came together and now put together this, this Bill 23, which was then approved on a provincial level. And I think that was on November 2022, right? 28, 2022. That was a huge day for Ontario because what that means is that it really allowed for us to do up to three dwelling units on a lot. And... You guys might say to yourself, well, I heard that before. Yes, you did hear that before. That happened in 2018, right? In 2018, they actually produced this very similar bill, but they realized there was not a lot of uptake by many municipalities. So then they tweaked it a little bit to make it a bit more enforceful, a little more, removing a little more restrictions and opening up a few of the, you know, I would say highly... Highly, the lands that you don't want to really touch are green belts, right? It's a controversial, highly controversial lands. So with that said, you know, having that bill now revised and then come through the, the legislature and be approved was really huge. And it really asked that you now have three dwelling units in the same house or the main house on the building versus three houses on the lot, right? So... That means every house could have been converted into a triplex. I mean, by now, everyone knows about this. Now, how does this impact what we're experiencing today? So everything comes from provincial, then it comes down to municipal. Once it comes down to the municipal level, 
that's where our planners, our, our, our urban planners, city planners, that's where they begin to, their wheels begin to turn like, how do we now, you know, abide by the new law, which is provincial law? Uh, how do they abide by the new law, but still make sure their cities and communities are built well? That's a huge task. It's a real juggling here, right? So they go through the process of, of updating their OP, their maybe secondary plans, ZVLs and so forth. And now, so these, and sorry, I, I mean, official plan, right? Secondary plans and zoning bylaws, right? So they would update these documents to, to see how these things could all align with provincial policy. And Hamilton, I will say, where we work with a significant amount of clients, you know, I would say, you know, we probably work 80% of our clientele today come from Hamilton. The rest come from other sort of southwestern areas, Bradford, and of course the peninsula, Welland, Niagara Falls, St. Catharines, and so forth. And, you know, really and truly, I, I would say that Hamilton is really progressive. One of the more progressive cities we have worked with. They all have their challenges. All cities have their challenges. Some are staffing, some is technology, some are both. Right. But really and truly, these, they are very progressive because they even implemented their housing policy or zoning bylaw changes prior to the amendments to the provincial policy. Right. So this really shows they how progressive they are. Now, with that said, I mean, it goes without saying that Toronto was not going to allow that to happen. And I do want to point that out because Toronto has really moved forward with the most robust zoning bylaw amendments in Ontario to date. And because they have the, mo the largest population and most people want to move to Toronto, so they had to make sure that they were able to align themselves and even surpass or exceed the requirement of the new provincial bylaw, Bill 23, more homes built faster. They had to exceed that in order to be able to meet the allotment of homes they were expected to build, right? So. I mean, I know I'm saying a whole lot here, but ultimately, uh, Laurel, we want to see, and, and, and this will be my sort of prophecy here for the future. I think we'll see more coming shortly. As soon as cities are able to absorb what's happening, they're going to come with another iteration. And the reason for that is, is because uh, immigration policy is far more uh, robust or is, is far less restrictive than housing policy. So unless they stop bringing that many people, newcomers into Canada, they would not be able, they, they would have to continue to evolve our housing policy to meet that demand that's coming. Because housing prices are just gonna keep going up. So to all the real estate investors that might be listening to this, if you own properties right now, you're in a great situation. Rents are going to keep going up. I mean, I'm not a financial professional, so please seek financial advice. But the truth is, rents are going to keep going up just because there's a supply and demand equation. My, you know, macroeconomic 101, right? So, Exactly. And I think you had a really valid point earlier when you said, because as you said it, I went, oh, gosh, you are absolutely right. Because we all think about, you know, the changes at the provincial level and the changes at the municipal level, True. but it's the it's the change at the individual level too. Oh, yeah. We as investors have to realize that we can't keep doing uh, the same thing, right? We have to change along with everything else. And we have to be 
I think, more accepting. I think we have to do our own research. We have to get out there and talk to people. And we have to change our expectations because of the massive number of variables that are out there. Like you said, immigration, monetary policy, the housing policy, transportation policy, for heaven's sakes. There's, there's, you know, best land use. There's so much change and we can't act as investors and have the same expectations as if it was, uh, well, I don't know, 2006. No, wow. That's amazing. You know, and you're so right. Even as a professional, I have also changed my expectation. And just because I really want to make sure that I offer the highest potential or highest quality service to our clients. And as you mentioned, some clients are now, you know, they, they have, some clients have adjusted their goals. They have adjusted their, what their expectations is return on investment and so forth, simply because the environment has changed. So some people have accepted that and they have now evolved. And as evolving creatures, these are real estate investors, you know, we're also looking at much more robust requests coming in, right? So no longer our clients come in and just say, we want to do a two-unit conversions. No, they're purchasing like some building downtown that they want to assemble two plots together and demolish and put up an infill 15 rise tall. So like, okay, like, listen, I can potentially give a very high level guidance on something like that. But what I need, again, here's where the evolution has to come again, Laurel, is that there has to be an understanding that you do need key people on your team. You also need someone who can actually help assemble that team of people that can plan a project of that scale, right? I might be one of those individuals just because my network within this particular area goes wide. So for example, we're working with a client in Toronto that's currently uh, wanting to demolish, demolish two mixed-use properties side by side and basically install a 10-story building, right? So I, I, our team is really equipped to do some aspects of that scope of work, but we will not do the entire scope because it does require more very precise calculation, for example, on your feasibility numbers, you have to make sure that your numbers are really aligning. You also need to make sure that from a zoning and planning standpoint, that everything is like you're achieving the absolute highest and best use. Whereas the building code, not the building code, the zoning bylaw may say you can only do 10 stories because that's what the zoning map shows as a height overlay. Well, we want to be able to say to the client, well, you know what, here they, they may actually accept a 12-story application if you would do here some affordable units or if you would add some some green sort of aspect to your building or maybe a higher accessibility type standards. So these are things that we want to be able to advise our clients on adequately. And because this is not our area of expertise, we do have those people in our network that can aid with those type of processes. So in some cases, a client may come to us and we will say to them, well, we will help you assemble that team and we will, this is the aspect that we will take on. We will do all the liaison between the teams on your behalf, but you need to have a more robust team for these larger scale projects. So that's also where just our evolution is coming as well. So if I circle back to the beginning mm-hmm. of our conversation, so here I am with my Victorian mansion, right? 
what did they say? 5,000 square feet or something like that. <laughs> and so we determined that, okay, the zoning is good. I can convert it to telling me that it's possible. I can maybe put in four, possibly even five units. And we know that the province and most municipalities are going to allow that now. It's because of the mm-hmm. pressures. Conservation is not an issue. It's not, thank goodness, it's not designated heritage. So that's out of the way, right? I can do what I want. I want to maintain the house. I want to have the highest and best use of the property, as you Ooh. say. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. then, here we go. I hand it over to you. You do your work. Come back. And when, okay, when do I get my financing? Do I have it all, like, at one point, do I get my financing all lined up? Because that's a really yeah. important question, right? Wow, that's uh, that's actually a million dollar question. And I probably mean that literally because, you know, there's a lot of people um, that we're currently working with, especially in Toronto. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to drop this little gem in here right now. Right. Uh, why is that important? You take that 5,000 square foot mansion and you drop it in Peterborough. You're only allowed to do two units down there, right? Because of the zoning, you take so location. I, I think location is you know has some role, but zoning is super critical. Take that same mansion, drop it in Hamilton. Now you're allowed to do up to three dwelling units within that building, right? Take that very same building, drop it in Toronto. Now you can do four, right? So because of zoning, so zoning is extremely important when you're trying to assess whether or not. How, how financing is going to work. And then I'm also going to just say this as well. Do I think these zoning changes has gone far enough? That's why I believe that there will be more changes coming because really CMHC, the, what's the Canadian Mortgage and Housing, something like this, right? Yeah, Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, yes. Oh, the corporation, yeah. So they actually will only finance or insure mortgages on units that are five plus, right? And now, no zoning bylaw is actually allowing that in residential zones. So until that happens, a lot of times the numbers is not going to work and financing is going to be extremely difficult for a lot of real estate investors. So, and, and when I say real estate investors, sometimes we think as ourselves as, as, as an individual, but as a community, Right, like real estate investors are bringing. I don't know the number, but if I were to make a wild guess, I would say real estate investors are probably bringing about twenty to twenty to thirty percent of the supply to the market as a Ontario community. Right, think oh, about the one of units. Right, and I don't have the number for that, so don't quote me. But with that said, you know there are also big developers that are doing big, large-scale properties. But why are those inefficient? And why are those not sustainable? For one, it takes like 10 years. And I know they're trying to compress a bunch of timelines and stuff to get those things built faster. But the truth is that those type of properties, anything over 10 stories is going to take about like five to 10 years to bring to market, right? Not to mention like have them sold off and things like that. And those are usually cannot be like rental because the investors need their money back. There's a velocity, there's a timeline, there's a maturity of those investments. They want their money back if they're equity partners. So with that said, they cannot like rent those units out. So it becomes very difficult or it becomes a challenge where it is in order to create more housing. I think a real 
solution, Laurel, is that the is that CMAC needs to get involved. And how do they get involved? It's either by one, they lower their units. So they say, like, if you're building three units, now we can insure that property, right? From a mortgage standpoint. Or the flip side, zoning bumps it up to say, we'll now allow our zoning to do up to five units. So that way we can bring more units to the marketplace faster. Because as I mentioned, in comparison to a 10-story building, these three, five, six unit properties can get built and, and come to market within a year and a half, right? So, so that's kind of a big kind of high level kind of response there, but financing super important. We need CMEC. I think that's the only way out of this, that part of it. Well, you know what? There's, I mean, we could talk about this for hours and hours. I think there's, yeah. there's so many sort of issues and challenges and opportunities, right? Opportunities. It's not just all that. It, there's so much that we could talk about. And I, I'm, wow, you've just, you've given us such a behind the scenes look at what's going on in this industry. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Now, Ronald, I think it's time for our lightning round. Are you ready? Okay. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. Okay, listen. <laughs> yes, this is the scary part. Yeah, oh, yes. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay, Catherine, you take it away. Okay, go. Okay, that, that was awesome information, Ronald, and there's so much. So just know that we will be having you back on in the near future so that we can continue this discussion. It's just way too important with the different levels for our community to know and our listeners. So what is the best advice you've ever received from another, any expert that is in your field that you would pass along to somebody else, your number one best advice that you've ever received? Yeah, I think the best advice I received uh, from actually someone actually who you guys know very well would be, you know, always hang around with more experienced people than yourself. You know, sort of hang around with people who know more than you. Glean as much information as you can. It's almost like go hanging, go hang out with the coaches. Exactly. You're exactly right. Hey, if you want to become a better tennis player, you don't play with somebody who's not, Not a skip, but you are right. Yeah, go the next level up. Good answer. Okay. If you were to talk to your 18-year-old self, <laughs> what would you tell yourself to do right now? Wow. Okay. I would tell myself right now. Hmm, there's a few things I would tell myself for sure. But I, I, I would tell myself, you know what? Take more risk. Fail more. Like, just go out and don't be so constant about feeling. Oh, wow. That's that would, great. That would, be, that would kind of be, and I, I, I try to live by that now. Don't be so concerned with feeling. So that would be my advice, yeah. Because it, wow. it, it, it took me too long to get to this point because I was afraid to feel. Oh, that's a really good, yeah. That's very good. 
don't be afraid to fail. It's yeah. uh, an educational experience that's there. So what is, I mean, you're very successful. I mean, you're, you have a very dynamic personality and you obviously have quite a lot of passion for what it is that you do. So what is the one attribute that has made you successful? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a story, but I don't know how, I don't know if I can put it in a word, but uh, may, maybe I would say perseverance. Uh, what I really mean by that is I, I've learned over the years to take negative feedback and make it my fuel, right? So that's the thing that's actually been my kind of superpower. I have a negative feedback engine. So yeah, you've given me negative feedback. I love it because it then becomes my, my fuel to move forward. So uh, yeah, that, that was just, I mean, and listen, not everyone has, not everyone can say that because I recognize that, you know, and not everyone in my life has given me negative, not feedback, but as has attempted to dismantle what I was accomplishing, but I've certainly used any sort of negative feedback. You say, Hey, you know what? You can't. Then I say, okay, I can. And this is how, right? So that has certainly been one of the things that has, that has really been a real, a real plus me and really, and I'll say if I were to add one more thing to that, it would be like my ability to just push through any situation, just a lot of grit, right? So and mind you, I, I get it. There's people out there that are pretty gritty, but uh, <laughs> uh, okay. I, I definitely have <laughs> I, 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 I can push through. I can push through with the best if I were to stock up. Um, okay. Not that I compete, right? Good. That's great. Okay, last question. Yeah, sure. Aside from the work you do, mm-hmm. you know, let's leave the, leave, the, leave the work aside. Mm. What's one thing you just love to do to have fun? Mm. Yeah, I, I guess say hang out with the family. Um, but the reality is when I hang out with the family, I love to burn meat. Oh. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That's an odd way to put it, but it's yeah, not barbecuing. Like I, I just like to, yeah, like to try different types of meats and stuff, but I, I like to play with fire, you know? So I know it's kind of a, it's kind of an odd thing to say, but the truth is. <laughs> yes, oh, I'm man. in construction and I love to play with fire. All right. And listen, if I can play with fire and get a good meal out of it while having fun with family, then that's a tree where we win. <laughs> All right. That's great. Thank you so very much, Ronald. Yeah. It was really great. Where can people reach you? What's the best way for them to reach you? Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so people can primarily get me on social media, which is IG, Instagram. I guess I'll have to say I'm old school in that way. Instagram is just very easy to use. I post frequently. I haven't been posting lately because I'm working on some stuff in the background. But message me on Instagram. Uh, Property Pathways is my handle. Uh, you can get me there. I will definitely respond. Um, you can share, like my videos. That's always great. And um, of course, you can always try to reach me as well on LinkedIn as well. I, I do. That's where I kind of network professionally. If you would like to really forge a partnership and have a more higher level conversation, like we can set something on there. And of course, you can visit uh, propertypathways.ca. We have created an awesome contact form that really allows investors to go in there and really use it as very intuitive and um, set up a 15 minute call with me. And then we'll, we'll decide whether or not uh, we are a great fit as well as if your property is a great fit for us. Right. All right. That's super. Thank you so very much. You are welcome. Thank you very much, ladies, for having me.
this was a real blast. Well, Catherine, there we have it. We've got a lot of information. Again, I highly stress, if you haven't listened to part one of this interview, go find it and listen to it. It's really, really worthwhile. It's excellent. One of the things that I really love that he said was, uh, you know, most people say location, location, location. What Ronald says, zoning, 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 which is imperative with everything you want to do and making sure that it is the right fit such a huge plethora of information that he shared with us. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, everyone, thanks for listening. And don't forget to go to therightclub.com where there's hundreds, if not thousands of hours of information, videos, podcasts, and we'll see you and talk to you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.